Hi everybody, my name is Casey Lee and this is me talking to people. So Sunday night is a big night. I keep mentioning this on every podcast, but for those who don't know, this is recorded way in advance of it being released. This is episode seven, and the first episode doesn't even come out until April 28th. So we're talking, what is that, May, June timeline, you guys are going to be hearing this. But Sunday was obviously a huge night as season eight of Game of Thrones started. Don't worry, it's a spoiler-free zone here. We're not going to talk about this. My guest today, I know for a fact, has not seen it yet, so I'm not going to talk about that. But season eight of Game of Thrones has started on Sunday, obviously a big epic event. That is not specifically what I'm here to talk about today. I'm here to talk a little bit about what season eight Game of Thrones led me to do which was subscribed to Crave. Now, I am a Netflix subscriber, I'm a Spotify subscriber, and Game of Thrones was just it was just it was just so important that I had to cave. I looked at I looked at the price and I said, you know, ultimately with the free month and the fact that Game of Thrones is probably going to last about 2 months with 6 episodes that I had to kind of cave and I got Crave, so ultimately it'd be $30 for the 2 months. And then it got me thinking a little bit more about the looming problem or maybe benefit that's going to be happening in the coming months, which is basically that streaming services are starting to break up into multiple parties, right? You have, you used to, it used to be easy. It was Netflix. That was it. Netflix was the only thing that you would subscribe to. And what would happen over time, what's going to happen over time is that all these companies are starting to break off into their own streaming services. One of the big ones, obviously, is Disney. Disney has announced their Disney Plus uh, streaming service, and they're going to have all the Marvel movies. They own Fox now. They have, you know, they have Star Wars. They just, just every major franchise you can think of uh, is going to be on Disney. So you're going to have to subscribe to that. You're going to subscribe to Crave. You're going to subscribe to Netflix, to Hulu, to all these different services. And it's weird because we are almost going back to a stage where we're going to be paying. for all the kind of TV that we want. You know, back in the cable days when we're paying $70, $80, we were complaining, and now we're kind of getting back to that. Now, as a kind of little kind of precursor to all this, as normal, my microphone is falling down in the middle of the podcast. I have to adjust it again, so I apologize for that. But let me get back to my point. The point is we are going to be paying a lot of money for all these services. But the thing I want everyone out there to question is, is it really the same as cable? Because I don't think it is. You're getting maybe higher quality video. You're getting on-demand video. The only thing I love about cable that is not on these streaming services is really the kind of discovery aspect where you're just flipping channels and you find something new. I wish Netflix had this thing where as soon as you turned it on, there was something playing already and that I could kind of discover something new. I think that would be great rather than spending you know half an hour going through titles that I don't know what I'm going to watch. So anyways, take a think, think thought about that, guys. Game of Thrones season eight was an awesome premiere. You definitely got to watch it. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Here we are. I'm going to introduce my guest today. I'm very excited. Episode seven. Here we go. This is a guy who I actually heard a lot about through the rumblings of working at my Byward office. I was working at my Byward office as a lot of my guests are connected through. Um, And what had happened was... I, I heard about him and I heard about his company, but I never saw him around. I, I had no idea what, what his connection was with my Byward office. And then I started finding a little bit and a little bit. And I asked uh, Eric, the owner of my Byward office, what is the deal with App 8? And he explains it to me. And I can't honestly say if it was that moment, but at some point I thought to myself, oh my God, this is the most brilliant app ever. 
And I don't mean it's brilliant in the sense of something that hasn't been thought of, although I'd never seen it in any other solution, but it was so brilliant in the fact that it was a problem that I was dealing with so much that I still deal with today that has made me such a massive supporter of this app. It's, it's so incredible. I'm not speaking in hyperbole here. Like seriously awesome app. We'll talk more about the details of that. But more than that, I actually finally started to meet this guy. He started coming to the office, started growing his team, and I started uh, observing him just, just by working in the same space as him and how he deals with his team. And one thing I started to really, really respect about this guy is just how he manages. The, the, the things that he does with his team, how he talks to his team, how he motivates his team, all these things really, really impressed me. And I loved, I'm, I'm going to love dissecting his brain in terms of how he thinks about management and how he runs his team and how he runs the startup. Uh, there's just so much I'd love to ask him. So without further ado, please welcome Elias Hage. Casey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on the podcast and uh, uh, an unbelievably, um, uh, I'd say, amazing introduction. I think you gave me a little too much credit there. Well, you know what, Elias? It's true, though. I, I think like it, it's something that th- there are people that I observe in my life, and you're one of them, that there are just kind of little instances where it's like, man, I wish I could be like that, you know? And I don't know if you think consciously about that, you know, like, I mean, I mean, why don't we just jump right into it? I mean, when you talk about, you know, running your team and interacting with your team, is it, is it a lot of conscious thought or is that coming from a place of like, you have developed a natural behavior that just comes out this way? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And, um, it's, uh, it's a bit of both actually. It's a bit of both. And I got to say that, uh, I mean, with this, with, with, I mean, leadership, uh, team leadership, it's, at the end of the day, it's, I think it's highly influenced from the experience that you've had with other leaders and other people in your, whether it's career or life. And for myself, you kind of get, gave a few examples and said, you know what, I want to know um, how he does that or, or how he manages that way. Uh, it is something that I consciously thought about in my career now for for those who don't know me, I've uh, had a few careers uh, in the past. I'm, I'm not uh, uh, fresh out of uh, school or anything, but uh, not, too, not to age myself too much. <laughs> but over the last 12 years, I've worked with lots of different leaders. 12 years? Yeah, yeah. It does age years. yourself a little bit. Okay, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but over the last 12 years, I've, I've consciously thought about, you know, these are the people that I really like working for. And I consciously paid attention to why I actually liked working for them. Like while, while you were while quote, was, their subordinates or whatever. While I was their subordinate. Right, I, right, right. I really like this person because even though I'm, you know, I, I, for example, I was a, uh, like a, a junior, I'm accounting background. I was a junior auditor at, um, at Ernst & Young at yeah. EY. And I mean, now that I look in, in hindsight, I'm like, why would I, ask a senior manager this stupid question and like bring my own personal stuff. But this person actually um, uh, took time and, and sat with me and talked to me about things. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, I was like, wow, that was amazing that they actually took the time, cared about it. Yeah. And it took them away from their work for a little bit, but it really showed me an appreciation for leadership of saying, you know what, it's a big problem for this junior person. And if I want my junior people to be happy and to work their hardest, I need to make their problems my problems as well, to a certain extent, don't get me wrong. Right, but, right, right. But actually care and nurture your team as opposed to, uh, you know, it's, it's the, 
the, the mammal versus uh, um, <laughs> reptile uh, mentality, right? Yeah. So I'm curious. I mean, even back then, were you noticing yourself taking note, or is it more in hindsight that you're you're realizing that that's something that you you were conscious of? Like, because I, I don't know if a lot of people at their first jobs and stuff like that are starting to think about what makes my boss great. Like a lot of times, I feel like they're just my boss is great. Right. But it seems like you were at that point even r- realizing what was great about them and kind of taking mental notes about that. Is that true? Or? It's, it's a little bit not true, actually. Yeah. Um, over probably it was a few years into my first uh, job there that I started to actually think about it. And I had a really good mentor. Uh, his name his name's actually Hash. I'll name drop him. <laughs> his name is Hash. Uh, no, nothing to do with the, uh, the, the, the drug. But uh, uh, what what he actually opened my eyes to was to really pay attention to the people around you and taught me the difference, difference between you know, a good manager and a good leader and, um, and uh, the, the whole nurturing concept and actually looking at your team as, as being your greatest asset, not just because uh, you know, people say people are your greatest asset, but truly because they are and to surround yourself with good people. And this is kind of where uh, it started planting the seed of, hey, if you're in a career or in a job um, that you want to know what the future looks like, is actually look around you. Look at the leaders that are around you and see if you could see yourself in any of their shoes. Do you want to be like this person, that person, or that person? And if you find yourself surrounded by you know, the, the leaders in, in the organization that you're in and you don't actually want that, whether it's lifestyle or that, that the role, the way that they interact, or you, know, you look at stress levels and other things like that, then it's, it's an indicator that, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing. I know I kind of digress to that, but those are the types of questions I ask myself a lot. Right. And it's the types of learnings where you learn about other people, and it also helps you kind of figure out on your own what kind of a person you want to evolve to be. And you almost have to check yourself uh, on a regular basis and make, you know, make sure you're going in the right direction. I mean, do you, do you consider yourself a pretty introspective person then? Like, were you... Were you thinking about that a lot over the last 12 years before you kind of got started with App 8? I mean, w- was it 12 years at Ernst & Young that you were at? or uh, I was at Ernst & Young for about 10 years, so for most of it. I did hold, I would say, um, three or four different careers there. I didn't do the same thing. I, t- to be quite honest, uh, I, I left the audit and accounting world pretty quickly to get into consulting. Um, I found that uh, I was able to kind of stretch my creative juices a lot more. Uh, there. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm trying to think back to the question that you asked. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, like, you're taking me like on a... Were you, a, were you, were you again, very self-introspective, like, not self-introspective person? Like, we're, like, you talk about like identifying what you're seeing, right? And in terms of like, you know, your managers and, and, and places you want to be or places you don't want to be. I mean, are you somebody that thinks about that a lot? No, 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 I didn't. I didn't, I didn't think about that a lot. Uh, I did think about the future a lot. I did challenge what I was doing a lot. But to be honest, I was lucky uh, to have been surrounded by the right people throughout most of that journey that actually opened my eyes to that yeah. in a way. And, and I mean, you will remember the really good things that happened and the really bad things that happened, Right. Uh, like no matter what. So even though I probably didn't, like my eyes didn't really open to this probably six years or five years in to my career, but I was able to look back and say, oh my gosh, like 
these people are, are great leaders and this is what made them great and this is what made me work really hard for them. And I worked hard, not necessarily, don't get me wrong, EY was a great place to work and I have nothing but good things to say, but I worked hard because I'm in the trenches with the person to my left and the person to my right. Yeah. And my boss was in the trenches and my boss's boss was in the trenches with us. Yeah. And that's what made me and my team uh, you know, at the time we were we were a tiger team. We were super because we were, we all knew that we all worked together with each other, not against each other. And after I realized that, probably at year eight or or seven or eight, and uh, you know, I actually try to recreate that all the time. And and you know, I'm really lucky with App Eight to actually have an amazing team. And in a way, I'm recreating that uh, that uh, that effect. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about. I mean, there's so much to dissect there, but you talk about, you know, working really hard, you know, because you're in it with the trenches with everybody. One thing that I, I thought was really interesting, and I think an amazing message that you gave uh, at the launch event, whatever, a couple of weeks ago, um, was this idea of, you know, just really kicking ass, like, at, at what you do. I don't know if that's a phrase you use. I, think you I said, <laughs> uh, what I said was, uh, kill no, it, kill it, kill it. <laughs> yeah, you're just killing it. And, you know, because I think I think a lot of people, especially now, right? And, and I don't know if this is skewed. And this is something we've talked about. On, I've talked about on the podcast before about how this like startup culture and starting your own business seems to be getting more and more prevalent. Like I talked to a lot of university students who are like really wanting to start their own business. And I don't know about you. I mean, we're roughly the same age. I think. Like when I was in university, that wasn't really a normal thing. Like a lot of us were either going to go nine to five and then a few of us were thinking about starting our own business. And I mean, I was in software, which is one of the easiest low barrier, you know, mark, like places to get into startups. Right. And um, but what you said, uh, which I really respect because I agree with you, is this idea that if you don't start your own business, but you actually go work for other companies, other people, other leaders, other whatever mentors, you can learn so much right? Um, like what's, I mean, where does that come? I mean, I mean, obviously it seems like it comes from a great environment that you were in, right? I mean, is that something that you say a lot to other people that you, that you recommend? It is. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I've had some tough times and times were like multiple times where I've been like, okay, I, like, I think I'm, I'm done with this and, yeah. and I want out. And, um, uh, you know, most of the time I, come out of it and be like, okay, no, I'm glad I, you know, slept on it and uh, thought about it and got myself out. But it is something that I recommend pretty regularly because I find sometimes people have an idea about being an entrepreneur that is, it's maybe a misconception um, that of this grandiose thing or the, of, of being on such a super fast learning track as an entrepreneur, which don't get me wrong, you are or you will be if you are an entrepreneur and you stick your guns to it, you will learn things, but you will also learn a lot of things by learning from other people. And um, I've got to say uh, this, this, I mean, my message really came from being asked the question, would you have done it differently? Would you right. have, you know, maybe it's not App 8 because it, timing is everything, but maybe it's another company. Would you have done uh, started a company earlier, would you regret all the time that you spent uh, working for someone else? And my answer is absolutely not. Right. Because the stuff that I've learned has actually allowed me to skip a whole bunch of steps through, uh, through my learning, i.e. not make as many mistakes along the path 
of entrepreneurship, even though at the time I didn't really know that I was going to start a business. I knew that it's something that I was interested in. And I always worked myself backwards and asked myself every single, probably twice a year, I really sat down. I won't say the word meditated because I didn't really technically meditate, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I basically- You didn't sit like yoga style? Uh, no, no. against the window? No, maybe I went to the <laughs> spa or something or, or whatever and, and actually just thought and yeah. thought to myself, sometimes it's in front of a pen and a piece of paper is, where do I really want to go? And I'd work my way backwards and say, like, I'd say, where do I want to be in like 10 years? Not a title, not, you know, not, not, not a salary amount. It's like, what do I want to be doing? You know, what do I want to be a people leader? Do I want to work in, you know, it's different for everybody. But I'd ask myself that and I'd work my way backwards and I'd say, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Am I learning the right things that are taking me in that, in that direction that are oh. going to help me get there? So the reason I give that advice is because the path that you're on will change. There's so many different tracks to the place that you want to go. And sometimes people forget that. They only think there's one track or yeah, two yeah, tracks, yeah, yeah, but totally. there's actually countless tracks to the place that you want to go. So it's not a matter of saying, I definitely want to be on this track, but it's a matter of saying, which of these you know, 100 tracks, which 20 of them will get me close or move me in the right direction to where I want to go? And will also give me, you know, whether it's work-life balance that you care about or whether it's travel that you care about or, or some of the other um, extra things that you, you're also interested in. You know, there is an optimal track, but there's also multiple optimal tracks. Yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't realize, I mean, how methodical you were. I mean, do you do that often? Do you think about like where I want to be and kind of backtrack and, and, and find the ways to get there? Because... I mean, I, I'm definitely not that way. I, I, I am very much like when people ask me for advice in terms of like, oh, uh, how do you start your business? How do you get this? Da, da, da. A lot of times I say um, I, I didn't have a concrete plan or, or, or even like I had short term ideas that kept me going. And, and that's how I work. Like the way I work is like as long as I have short term ideas that will get me moving forward, that will get me feedback that I need to go keep going. That's the way I work. I don't have as clear a vision to get somewhere and where I want to be. But it sounds like you're pretty methodical about that. Uh, I, I started being methodical about it when I realized that there is a method behind it. And, and it's not science. It's just a way of thinking. Uh, I, I wasn't always like that. I mean, the advice that I got when I was making decisions on my career back in the day was... Uh, you know, do you, you know, do you do accounting or do you do, I was like at one point in university, uh, you know, I, I like told myself, okay, I don't think I'm interested in, in accounting, but uh, people gave me a lot of advice. And that advice was accounting will open a lot of doors for you. It's, you know, that was the extent of the advice I got. Uh, it was good advice because it does open a lot of doors. It taught me, you know, the, the advice was it'll open a lot of doors for you. You're going to work with, you know, high level people and you're going to understand the inner guts of how, how money flows through companies and right, stuff, right, right. which, which is entirely true. So, uh, I'm very grateful for that. I'm actually grateful that I stuck to accounting and learned it and I enjoyed myself along the way as well. Uh, but it wasn't until later that I thought, you know, nobody said, what do you really want to do in the future? And people did ask me that, but it's not that no one asked me that. It's that I, I have no idea what the answer is. Like, yeah. like how do you know when, you're, when you haven't really had work experience? And even today, you know, I'm say I'm 12 years into my career. 
I have a, I have a good idea of what I, what I want and what I like and what I enjoy doing today. But even now you say, you know, what do you, where do you see yourself in 20 years or whatever? It's really hard to see that, but I know what kind of person I want to be. I know what kind of career I want to have, but it's not as tangible. Right. And that's kind of where, where I was back then. Was it the same process that ultimately led you to starting App 8? Like, did you envision, like, did any of those visions include, you know, running my own business, building my team, creating an app that solves a problem? Like, was that any, any of that enter your mind when you were thinking about the future? Some of it was. So actually, two of the three things you said. So what this is what I do. I'd actually, I don't know if you can envision this. I'd actually take a, um, a letter-sized piece of paper, uh, I'd put it in a portrait and I'd draw maybe like um, uh, three or four uh, vertical lines down the piece of paper. On the very right is the future. Yeah. On the very left is today. And what I would do is I would write one or two things on the very right. And one, those one or two things would be, you know, where you see yourself in the future, where you see yourself in 10 years or whatever. And again, this goes back to, I didn't write a title, but I wrote, I did write, you know, I want to lead an amazing team into something new, into a new discovery. Um, uh, and uh, I did write, uh, there were different things. I did write, you know, on my path was, you know, I want to be a, a partner or a senior leader in a, in a global organization or a global firm because that was also really high in my interest list. Yeah. And then to the column, to the very left of that, I'd actually write the one level down things that I would need to accomplish, to actually take myself there. Um, and it's all arbitrary, but I'd write things like um, uh, be a highly influential public speaker, for example, yeah. which I, I don't think I'm you know, there yet. I still have a lot of work to do to get there, but that is the one step removed from you know, where, uh, where I saw myself way, way ahead. And I would you know, maybe draw like five or six things and it bubbles in that column and link it to the to the column ahead. And then I would do that two more times. And I would ask myself what I'm doing today. Am I covering off those things? Am I doing those things that I need to do to get me closer to where I want to be in the future? And that was kind of the method. That was, if you say the method, it's very arbitrary. It's but It's fascinating though. It, I, I'm, I'm so blown away that you took the time to like write this out and come up like, Again, my version of that is, uh, I think I got to get here and then I'm going to try this. Like the fact that you laid it out on a sheet of paper and you had this column system and like the things that you, like where, where does that come from? Is that, is that your accounting background? Is that EY? <laughs> is that like, uh, you know what, actually I'm going to, so th this is going to get me potentially in trouble, but I'm going to take the risk. So Hash, um, he, he was a mentor of mine yeah. uh, and we're still connected and very close um, I, uh, I walked into his office one day and he, you know, asked me to close the door and he said, I want to show you something. This is my thing. And, um, and I don't show anyone it's, but it's something that I do. Yeah. And hash, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, I'm sharing your <laughs> secret, but it's worth sharing again. It's okay. We, like I said, we're lucky if we get one person audience on this. Perfect. One. <laughs> no, no. Hopefully we'll get lots. And, uh, and he, um, he showed me his screen and there's this huge bubble diagram. It's yeah. not what I explained, but it's a huge bubble diagram and there's one big thing in the middle and then there's a whole bunch of like lines to other things. He didn't actually take me through his, his bubble diagram because it was his personal bubble diagram yeah. of like, 
you know, and he's my super boss and he's my mentor. And, you know, there's personal things on there that stuff that, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily share with everybody, but it's who you want to be or where you want to go or the path that you see yourself. And, and then he kind of walked me through that he does this once or twice a year. And it's a self thinking of, um, where a person's values are and where, and it doesn't all have to be, you know, technical and career related. It can be really soft skill type stuff. It could be, uh, it could even have some personal elements into it. Yeah. But he, he opened my eyes that, you know, there is value in thinking through where you want to go and not thinking through where you want to go, um, within the confines of society or, or, or what society puts, but thinking really openly, like really just thinking outside the box, forget about roles, salaries, you know, organizational structures and charts and companies really think about who you really are and what kind of person you really want to be right. and work your way backwards from there. And that's kind of where I developed kind of this columned approach. Yeah. And people ask me, uh, this is, uh, and the, the way that this thing actually evolved is because I, uh, you know, I, I mentored a few students right. uh, in my career. And through that mentorship, I would get asked, hey, um, I don't know what job I should take. Well, like, I don't know if I should take this job or that job. I don't know if I should stay in, in this course or change courses. And I would actually spend half an hour with them and ask them some very high level questions about what kind of person they saw themselves being and where they want to go to. And a lot of the times in the end, it would come down to, look, it doesn't matter whether you pick A or B, both of them are going to give you an, an amazing experience. Uh, think, you know, both of them are going to cover on the major things that you want to get to, to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. Um, the important thing is, which one are you going to kill it at more? Which one is going to, are you going to go in and, you know, forget about the really, really distant future. Sometimes you, you can't lose sight of it. So don't ever forget about it, forget about it. But when you're in the zone, you just got to kill it. You're with your comrades in the trenches. You want to make sure that you've got their back, that they've got your back and you're doing it all and you're doing it really well. Yeah. And then, and then there'll be ev evolution points where you'll have ramps where you can choose to move left or move right. And the more that you kill it, the more options you're going to have. Right, right, right. Uh, I mean, do you, how often do you do this? Like how often, I mean, this is like, you know, advice that you're giving to these students that you're mentoring, you know, uh, it went from bubble to columns for you. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, are you doing this regularly? Uh, to be honest, I haven't done it since, <laughs> since app eight, but maybe started, that's a good thing then. Cause yeah. maybe you're, maybe, maybe app eight is, is satisfying. I mean, do you, do you, was it, were you doing the column thing? when maybe there was a satisfaction that wasn't being... No, no, no. no. It was independent of that. It's, really? I, and I know that I've done the column thing in my head. I just haven't sat down and actually, like, written. actually <laughs> written it. Like, because it, 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 there is, I actually find that there is value in actually writing things down. Sure. Or putting them somewhere, like, whatever. Uh, getting a stick and drawing it in the sand if you have to, or in a napkin. Uh, I haven't done it. Uh, I've done it in my head, but uh, it, it, satisfaction sometimes leads to that, or you see a crossroads coming up kind yeah. of leads you to do that for sure. Like that's a trigger point. I, I would do it anyways. Right. Um, uh, but with app eight, uh, I mean, I find that I'm, I'm in, I'm busy executing on the learning elements of that next phase of my journey, getting me closer that, that, uh, I really feel extremely fulfilled 
to the point that, uh, you know, I mentally think about it for a few minutes and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is where I want to be right now. And this is amazing. And so we're, we're move, definitely moving in the right direction. That's awesome. I definitely want to talk about app eight and, and what's going on with app eight. Um, but while we're on this train of, 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 of thinking about your goals and achieving them and, and really looking at who you want to be. Um, you know, you say you haven't written it down, but you might have run it in your head. I mean, what, what is it, what's on that sheet today? Like, what are you thinking about five, 10 years from now? Like who you want to be? Oh man, that is a tough question, you know? Uh, and not, you're putting me on the spot. Is it, is it tough question. every time you do it though? Is it like, or were you pretty clear? Like it, it is tough every yeah. time I do it because when I do it, I, I challenge myself. Is right. it the same thing as last time? Um, have things changed on who I want to be? And it doesn't change that much. I mean, to be honest, uh, what, where I want to be, you know, in the future is to be uh, actually 10 years ago, I am actually pretty close to where I really wanted to be uh, in 10 years. That's amazing. Uh, what I wrote down on, on the page. That's and, amazing. I, and I didn't even think like, okay, this is like best case scenario, you know, but no, I'm, I'm there. And like what kind of stuff was it? It was it was actually to to be in a leadership position yeah. with an amazing team and uh, and building something new, bringing a new concept, and new, something new and innovative to the world. Uh, it actually I didn't have anything about tech or sure. apps or mobile, nothing like that. Uh, it just the opportunity came to, but it, it, it was you know loosely that. And and today, I mean, uh, I have an amazing co-founder and an amazing team and we work really really well together we're doing something really uh scary risky and awesome and we're seeing huge successes and there is i mean i mean the the future is open for us and and this is kind of the we're in the trenches we're in the trenches right now but we're in it all together and having that is actually having being in the trenches and everyone looking to the left and looking to the right and knowing like, I'm going to cover your backs and you guys are going to cover my backs. Like that was it. And here I am with this amazing company and amazing team and we're doing that. And we're an early stage company, but uh, we're there and we're doing it. And we only have, you know, we're, there's only growth ahead. So, I mean, you asked me, where do I see myself in 10 more years? It's, it's probably a a reflection of today um, reflected uh, with, I would say more successes and bigger teams and not just me working with uh, a small team at this capacity, but actually having the people that I work with and who work for me and who I work for potentially um, in that same boat where uh, they are actually, uh, they, they, they are working with other teams who are working with other teams who have that effect and are creating something amazing and have the trench. I call it, I don't want to call it the trench effect because <laughs> it's not a very nice name, but but basically the effect that I got your back no matter what, you got my back no matter what, and then together we're unstoppable. We could almost do anything. That's amazing. We're going to take a short break and get back here with Elias Hage. And now a segment called Unpaid Advertisements. We are independent podcasts, so no one is actually paying us to say anything. I just like to advertise things that I come across to make it sound like a more legitimate podcast. So everybody in the world is starting a business. Everyone needs things for their business. (laughs) Well, one of those things that you might need, this is the problem with improvisational advertisements, but a lot of podcasts do it, so I'm going to continue to do it. 
you need business cards. Well, arguably, some people might argue they don't actually need business cards, but I'm telling you, you guys need business cards. And the business card vendor choice of BiteSite, my company, is Moo.com. That's right, Moo.com, M-O-O.com. They have all your business cards needs, everything from business cards to business mini cards to square business cards. They even have a Lux line for those times that you need those extra thick business cards. I had a feeling you were going to say Moo because <laughs> uh, I've seen uh, their stuff and it's pretty good. Now, do you guys use Moo? No, no, but we're uh, we're transitioning. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to say that to our current suppliers. <laughs> That's okay. We can We can... We can't use the excuse that this is a paid advertisement. No, it's okay. Keep going, Casey. You're killing <laughs> lots, it. Lots of different uh, finishes, including gold gold foil, you know, because silver foil is just not enough. They do postcards, stickers, flyers, letterheads, menus, even do two-day delivery. That's right. For those times that you run out of your business cards and you have a big show coming up, two-day delivery. They even have the Moo promise to make sure that you're happy. That's right. Moo business cards. Check it out. Moo.com. M-O-O.com. We do not have a coupon code. If you are starting a business, like I said, you need things. And some of those things may include business cards, but the really top-notch companies get stickers. That's right. For some reason, have you come across this that students seem to be obsessed with stickers? Yeah, everyone's obsessed with stickers. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I never I I want my MacBook to be completely clean. I don't want anything on it, you know? Yeah, I used to have stickers on mine, uh, but then I realized I was trying really hard to be a young, hip person, and <laughs> then I stopped. Anyways, if you are a business who needs stickers because you need advertisement everywhere, because everybody wants stickers, you want to be in on the ground floor getting your stickers everywhere. You want to be in the situation where a single student has a billion of your stickers all over their laptop, and if you're going to do that, you're going to need a sticker supplier, and the one I recommend is Sticker Mule. That's right. I'm really enunciating that mule. Sticker mule. Stickers, you can get square stickers, rectangle stickers, circle stickers, but where it really shines is getting those die-cut stickers. That's right, those custom stickers that are cut perfectly to your logo. You work with artists on stickers. This is the thing I was actually really impressed with the sticker mule. You send them a, a uh, logo or whatever, and they create a sticker for you, and then they send it to you, and they're like, is this okay? And then you're like, no, I want it different. And you actually work with an artist to get it done. You think like Sticker Mule is like a huge, big automated process. But no, you're actually working with artists uh, to make sure your sticker looks perfect. But they don't only do stickers. They do stickers, labels, magnets, buttons, and packaging. Custom sti- Sticker Mule. Custom stickers that kick ass. So I swear we didn't, like, we didn't talk about this no. before. But um, like our window stickers for App 8 and yeah. our stickers are all from Sticker all Mule. Sticker Mule, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what's crazy is just just this week, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that they were in Toronto and App 8's not even in Toronto. They were in Toronto, at, like somewhere downtown. Yeah. And they saw an App 8 sticker like somewhere on what? like a busy street corner on like a, a post somewhere. And I was like, what? Are you sure it was App So So yeah, people do put stickers around places and uh, it, it wasn't any of us. So... Um, That's crazy. Sticker Mule, yeah. Uh, I like Sticker Mule and we use them for our window stickers. They're awesome. Well, there you go. Endorsed by Elias Hage of App 8. StickerMule.com, S-T-I-C-K-E-R-M-U-L-E.com. And we are back, episode seven, talking to Elias Hage, the CEO and founder of App 8. We're talking about being in the trenches. And for those who don't know Elias, this is actually a rather light metaphor conversation with Elias. Elias is using tossing out those metaphors left, right, and center. And I believe they are tracking those things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of the metaphors are dangerous. I mean, they're in a, they're in a, a document somewhere. <laughs> One day, you know. Yes. 
So we were talking a lot about, um, you know, how you got to where you are and, and how methodical that is. And again, I'm, I'm blown away by that. Um, but one thing that actually came out of that that's really interesting because I actually have a question here that directly relates to that. And it's really the question of why you started App 8. And I want to pause before you answer. Oh, I want you to pause before you answer and let me finish my question. I can ask you why you started App 8. And I think you could give me the answer of, I saw a business need. I was out with my friends. I saw you know, people who were waiting for a table and here we are. And, and there's this full answer of why it's a valid market need and you know, the story that led to you starting App 8. And yes, that, no, no question, that's a contributor. But I have this theory about um, entrepreneurs and, people, and founders I guess kind of the same thing, um, about them starting their businesses. And I, and I could be very wrong about this, but it, it's definitely something that, that I, I am I don't, guilty of. But when I think about you starting a business, Elias, and I, I'd love to have your thoughts on this, I don't think it was really the business idea that got you to start a business. Rather, it, it was that you had a drive to start a business, to lead a team, to do something in that, like, in that leadership founder role. And it didn't really matter specifically the idea that led you there. And once a valid idea came up, that became the excuse, or not excuse is a bad word, like almost like the, the catalyst to actually go forward with that. And is that true? Like, like, are you the kind of person, was it really the app eight idea specifically that got you to start the business? Or was it your mentality, did that mentality already exist that you wanted to start a business, that you wanted to be a leader, and the app eight idea kind of gave you the reason to go forward yeah I mean, I, so i'm just gonna outright say it it was definitely the mentality first uh but the mentality without the opportunity uh probably would not have led me to start a business uh, but i want to i want to just circle back on you know i'll put quotations behind start a business uh, and even entrepreneurship uh, I'm going to share one of my beliefs is that I don't believe entrepreneurship is actually necessarily at the definition of one person who does not work for someone else and, um, you know, does makes all the decisions or, or starts their own company and uh, takes all the risk uh, at the beginning. I, you know, I, I find that there are entrepreneurs everywhere. There are entrepreneurs that work for other people and for other businesses and um, people can be an entrepreneur in almost any job. Uh, I mean, think about a uh, like a a large company. Uh, where, where did where, where's one of the larger companies that you worked for, Casey? Let's uh, try, try to use your <laughs> use an example there. I'm picking back on you. Uh, I, I mean, technically, the largest company I worked for was a Canadian government, but let's say private industry. I, I used to work for a company called Harris Computer Systems. Harris Computer Systems. Okay, and what, what was it? Your, what was your role at Harris? Uh, I was a web developer developing uh, utility billing software. Okay, a web developer developing utility billing software. God, I hope you're the one who contributed to the much more efficient and uh, transparent utility billing that I get. But that's not my <laughs> point. My point is you were working at Harris Computers and you had a boss and you probably had a team or or worked side by side with a team. At the end of the day, you have choices to make. You're right. accountable to someone. An entrepreneur is also accountable to their investors and to their customers and to a whole bunch of other 
people, even though they may think that they're their own boss. But no, you've taken a path and chosen to be accountable to that group. And, and that group might actually be fiercer than one boss or, uh, you know, a group of bosses. Um, uh, so within that organization, you probably had uh, the, the freedom to do certain things, take certain liberties, make some decisions. And that package on its own, that is, you can actually be an incredible entrepreneur within the confines of, of the organization by right, really right, understanding right. the market. And I don't, it doesn't have to be the market of what Harris Computer sells to, but it could be the market of maybe your customer is internal. Yeah. So you really understand your market, understand their needs. Can you break some boundaries, do something incredible that people in your space or your colleagues that you're, you know, you're in the trenches with and supporting them, but you're also in a way competing with them. Can you do things that, that, um, that other people in the organization um, are not doing by having that, that, uh, that vision, a, a real vision, understanding your market, understanding the product, uh, thinking really about all of the uh, growth drivers of the ecosystem that you're in. And if you can, and if you apply that and do it, you're actually an entrepreneur within an organization. That's wild. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a crazy thought. Elias, this, this, is, this, is, this is why I'm so impressed with you. Like these kind of thoughts, like I've never heard that concept before. You know, but it's so true. Like you're, I mean, whether you are operating a business, quote, a business in, quote, the world uh, by yourself, or whether you're working at an organization, you know, you're applying the same uh, types of, you know, decisions, thinking, but just in a different context. You're serving, you know, you guys may be serving the restaurant industry. If I'm working at Harris Computer Systems, I may be serving, you know, the R&D department, or I may be serving, like you said, the the like the other customers that I'm dealing with and dealing with all the challenges that, that technically an, another entrepreneur might do. But I mean, do you think though there is, I mean, there must be a reason though that not a lot of people start their own business, right? I mean, the risks involved, I mean, they must be a lot higher than what yeah. you're talking, right? That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And, and, and I'll admit like, yes, the risks involved, like risk is really the, a big uh, differentiator uh, there. And there, and it's not just, it's risk and reward at the same time. And, you know, some of the challenges that, I mean, I read a fair bit about entrepreneurship and you want to make sure that for the risks that you're taking, you're also seeing a reward. Um, uh, there is, there is, uh, do you know who Simon Sinek is? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I love his oh, stuff. I love his it's, stuff. It's so good. And He's the guy who did the golden circle thing, right? Like, uh, uh, I'm, is he the guy who did, there's a thing about like how, like, he talked about why Apple succeeds. Yes. And there's the circle. Yes. Yeah, yes. Totally. That is, yeah. That's him. He's amazing. Yeah. That's him. Actually, that's one of one of my favorite. I didn't realize it was called the Golden Circle. I don't know yeah. if it is, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I uh, know that is one of my favorites. But I, and I won't go and give a huge quote from him, but he told a story once, and it was a really simple story. In fact, I'd say is one of his uh, least powerful stories, but the point of it was powerful. And, you know, it's about him and his friend standing in a line to get a free bagel after a race. Okay. And his friend, you know, at one point was like, oh my God, there's so many people in front of us, blah, 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 let's just leave. And Simon looks at him and says, no man, don't lose sight of the bagel. Like, you know, sometimes the path to the bagel, the bagel is the reward. The path to the bagel is long and there's obstacles in the way, but, and, and you need to focus on, you know, what's in front of you and how do you get from this point in the line to that point in the line. But 
uh, don't forget that there's actually a bagel at the end, right? And uh, and that you're going to earn that bagel. So that's that's one of the the big things. And you take. I know it's not. I'm not relating to too closely to the risk and reward, but, sure. but it is something that I talk to my team about all the time is that, uh, you know, we'll be in the deep, the depth of, of, oh my God, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's like, Hey, everybody just t- put your heads up. Remember, this is the bagel that we're, we're, we're going to be getting. Well, well, what is the bagel? For you guys, <laughs> I mean, what is the reward? I mean, like, I mean, I mean, maybe that's a two-part question. I mean, what's the reward for you personally, like running the company, and what's the reward for App Eight? You know, I mean, because I think I think if you talk about the reward for you, it's not necessarily going to motivate your team, if it, you know, because that's a personal goal thing, right? Um, like, what are what are the goals for you, and what are the, what are the goals for App Eight? I mean, I shouldn't say the goals, the rewards. Yeah, the rewards. You know, they they actually change. There's uh, the, the ultimate reward for a, for me and for App8, like right now they're kind of <laughs> tied to the hip, is uh, is to be a uh, national slash international because uh, our, our medium term goal is actually to expand outside Canada. I'd say medium term, short medium term to expand outside Canada. Our short medium term goal is actually to be a, a national player uh, in in this space, in the uh, the you know uh, sit down uh, and bar pub restaurant uh, space, uh, providing uh, the service that we do, uh, you know, facilitating the payments, but also being that digital uh, digital link between you know restaurateurs and their patrons, and yeah. really benefiting that entire ecosystem and being known as that uh, being known by that ecosystem. To uh, to be the player in uh, you know let's say North America that's the bagel right, right now for us right that's our bagel I mean it's it I'm curious I want to play devil's advocate a little bit and ask you further though I mean it, what's in it for you like when you get that bagel right like when you actually uh, you know achieve that and you are known to that ecosystem and you guys are known as like the app to to do all that. I mean, what is it for you? Is it is it the sense of accomplishment? Is it a little bit the celebrity and fame? Is it a little bit the financial? You know, is it a little bit? You know, what what is it that 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 will bring you? Yeah, it's you know that's a tough question, and I say I I just want to put something into context. You don't stop at the bagel because once you get the bagel, <laughs> you want the smoked salmon that's you know in the next uh, station. So. Uh, it isn't an end point. It is a path on the journey. And even like I explained that bagel, there is like a whole bunch of things between that bagel and where we are today. And just from a getting to that bagel absolutely means we need to be really focused on the middle points between here and the bagel. But uh, what the bagel is, is to me is, uh, you know, you asked where I want, where I see myself. Yes, there is a financial gain out of this. Like absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I have investors as well. Like I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting into kind of the, the makings of the business, but yeah. there are people that I am accountable to. There's investors. There's also, you know, there'll be the, the users, the, the, the customers, and there'll be the, um, the, the restaurants um, and other establishments and partners that we're working with uh, along the way. And I'm accountable to all of those. And I mean, to me, success is there is a financial component to it. Absolutely. And there's also a, uh, a an accomplishment component to that is uh, our ability to build a well-oiled machine that is actually benefiting 
the ecosystem. App 8, I know I'm kind of going to kind of founder story here, but no, nothing. I would have not started App 8 if I didn't know that there was a path there out there where the entire ecosystem would benefit from having this solution out there, out in the market. And when I say the entire ecosystem, the users, the restaurants, uh, and, um, and uh, you know, even the partners that we work with from, you know, the payment side of things or, uh, or even uh, the, 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 the marketing side of things. Um, but, and, and, and those in between. So like the service staff, for example, like the service staff community is extremely important to us. And we, you know, we predict and our vision and it's happening today is there's a lot of benefit for them. We help them, uh, you know, work better, but we also help them earn more and, and, and do more with their time and actually become great upsellers of, of service and uh, of, of merchandise, a of product. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that, that that's what Cromp uh, consists of the, the ecosystem. So yeah. there is accomplishment there. There's financial benefit for sure. And it's it, it's one of my personal objectives. You know, you asked me what I what I want, where I see myself in ten years, is uh, that's the path that I'm on. It is weird, right, to think about like why uh, you know what pushes us to do what we do, right? And I think I think there it, it is tough sometimes to decipher exactly what it is. You know, I, I remember um, a, a long time ago, uh, like one of the highlights of my career was giving a talk um, at this leadership conference, and I was talking about how people always talk about do what makes you happy, right? Or like, like do what, what makes you, uh, you know, really happy at your job or whatever. And I always thought to myself that that's not exactly an easy question. Like, like figuring out what makes you happy is not an, an easy question to answer. And I think even thinking about what we do as, you know, people who take big risks, who start businesses, who put in the hours, who like, you know, who are picking up the slack when sometimes things are bad, you know, what drives us and, um, you know, hearing you talk about the financial and, and the accomplishment and all that stuff, I think it, it, it is tough sometimes to pinpoint exactly what we're doing. And maybe it changes day to day. I don't know. Like, I think one of the things for myself, like one of my goals with BiteSite, uh, no question, is the core of what we do, I really enjoy. Like, which when I'm talking about that is like filmmaking, software programming. I really enjoy that. Everything else that comes with the job, to be honest, I don't love. I don't. I don't love the business growth. I don't love, um, you know, necessarily negotiating contracts, doing sales, all that stuff. It's not my wheelhouse, right? And my goal with BiteSight is really that I really love the core of what we do. That I want to get to a point where it's more of that, right? Where I get to a point where we're stable, and you know, I don't have to think so much about that stuff because I either have other people doing that or the business is doing well enough that we figure it out a way that we can kind of concentrate. Because right now a good chunk of the business is not doing the core of what we do, right? Do, is there any of that with you, like that you really love being a leader, you know, managing a team and you just want more of that? Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, you know, I love being a leader. I love managing team. And you know, the we talk about uh, why that that bagel is, is such an accomplishment. It is because of the things that mean have happened to get there. It means that, uh, I work uh, with a team that um, that is better than me. Actually, that is better at me, than me at doing a whole bunch of things. And uh, and even I mean, even today, one of the amazing things, and it's one of the struggles that I see with uh, with startups in general, is that you know the person, uh, the the founder is the you know the person who's good at everything or or all that. 
And it's amazing that I know that I'm not the best at everything. I know I'm really good at some things. Um, and, uh, you know, working with people that are better at you, uh, better than you at doing a whole bunch of the things that are needed to get a business to, to that point, to the bagel, is that's part of the big sense of accomplishment. Personally, I love leading. I love working with teams, um, uh, running the business. I mean, uh, there's a whole bunch of their skill set. Some of them are, are you know hard skills. Some of them are soft skills that you really need to to run a business. I'd say I, I enjoy most of it. And one of the big enablers I would say that allows me to do more of what I enjoy doing is is having a mindset of um, uh, you know, actually that experience that I had doing consulting and working at EY and, and a whole bunch of other things that opened my eyes to, hey, there's ways today where you can actually do less of the things that you don't want to do by intelligently outsourcing. And I don't mean just burning money and, and outsourcing things, but I mean is implementing tools or processes yeah, or yeah, yeah, outsourcing yeah. the things that you find a distraction and, you, and, and that'll allow you to focus on the things that matter. And I mean, fortunately, the things that matter for App 8 are the things that I enjoy doing. So that's kind of, it obviously works well when that happens. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but that's, that's part of it. it, it you know, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of looking at ways to automate certain steps like, uh, I don't know, the day-to-day stuff that, or, or, or bringing in the right people or outsourcing things that are important, but they're not the right thing for you to spend your time on. Yeah. I do want to talk about that because one of my selfish uh, benefits of this podcast is I get to learn from people that I respect how they do things. And one of the things I I highly respect about what you do, uh, and I I like how you separated it when we talked about it in the beginning, uh, is leadership and management, because I do think they're very different things. I'd love to talk about the management side. You just talked about the team that you built. And I think one of the things that's very tough is is building a team, and especially a team that that is better than you, that works well with you, that complements each other. How how did you build App Eight, the team? Oh, yeah, I mean, you talk about it a lot. Like when we inter- when I interviewed you for the App Eight video, you're like, it's the team, it's the team, it's the team. And I see how you guys work on a day to day basis, and I'm I'm blown away, like genuinely, about your guys' team. But I do think that I would attribute that a lot to you building that team. Now, again, a lot of people I talk to on this podcast are modest and they're like, no, no, it's everybody else. But you seem like a very directed person, a very intentional person. Uh, Was there directed intention when you built, you know, the team that you built? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, one of the things, one of the qualities that maybe doesn't get said enough because, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have time. Everything is always, in a hurry and is rushed, but patience is actually important too. Uh, especially, so the industry that I'm in, we're racing against the clock because, you know, any given week, a thousand other people around the world have thought of this. And of those, maybe, you know, a few other people maybe can do something to, to build something and, and, you know, they start doing it, but it's the execution that matters. So, I mean, I, I'm caveating what I'm saying about patience because time is absolutely of the essence. And one of the amazing things that we've accomplished is uh, our execution. Uh, that's what allows us to stand out as App 8 uh, among the crowd. But that aside, patience in finding the right people or taking the right approach is also important, is, is to have some of that or understand the balance between patience and 
time sensitivity. When um, when I started App8, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a minute or two if that's okay. Yeah, Casey. of course. Of course. I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll tell a bit of the the really origin story that not many people got to hear. Yeah. About App8, when I started App8, uh, I was you know. Uh, the idea, this is just like the idea came up and the thought of, hey, why haven't we solved it? You know, what are other players in the market doing? How are they doing it? Are they doing it the right way? What are what are their faults? So all of that market research kind of came through and then interviewing restaurateurs. And then through some of the soft research that I've done and the interviews that I've done, I realized that there is a real opportunity there. And there is a way to do it uh, that has not been done before. And if it can technically even be done, then this would be huge. This would be really, really powerful. Uh, and then I proceeded to uh, get out of my comfort zone and be like, okay, I didn't know the first thing about development. I did not know, like, I think I knew the last computer language I heard of was like um, uh, uh, basic yeah. uh, or something or C++. <laughs> yeah. And I just, cause I saw it in the cover of a book. So I didn't know anything about that. And I knew that I needed the right help. And I thought maybe I could outsource it. Maybe I maybe I find a CTO and we go to like I didn't know where to go. So uh, so I started searching and it actually took me uh, over like I would say it took me eight to twelve months to find the right co-founder. Wow! Uh, from from idea and and I was so patient. Um, and, and was f- that really like an active eight to twelve months searching for that person? It it wasn't. It wasn't. Okay. So w- w- at that point, I knew I needed to. I had the kind of market enough market validation for the concept, but I needed a technical validation because it did involve some tricky integrations, and uh, you know I had no idea how to do that. So you know I I navigated the deals. I I went and I hustled, and you know made a great connection uh, with our first uh, point of sale partner. Um, uh, and uh, going from there, I knew that I needed to technically build something to, to integrate. And I started my search and I searched and I searched. And I actually had a couple of failures finding people before I found at least a path to build a prototype. So one, I'll give you an example. One of my failures is someone told me, hey, I know this person. Um, you know, they're great. Uh, th- as long as you're okay with working remotely, uh, which but I'm not saying working remotely is bad or anything like that, but it was just a circumstance that this person was not, I could not access them personally. I couldn't meet them face to face. I had conversations with them over, um, you know, over Skype or over Google. Um, and and they're like, yeah, what you're doing sounds reasonable. I can help you do it. And we started kind of working together. And I said, yeah, there's, you know, we did an equity deal and it was uh, it was pretty light. We didn't have heavy contracts or anything sure, like sure, that. Yeah. But you know, four months later, he came back to me, and and I thought that things was things were getting done, and then nothing was done. And he's like, "Sorry," he sent me an email, and he's like, "Sorry, I'm out." And wow. it was just like, and I was like, "Oh my god, I just like four wasted months. four months wow. with nothing, no results, nothing done." And um, and then I realized I needed to like step up the game to find the right person. Yeah. And through my journey, and and I. I wrote down, again, I write down, I write things down. I wrote down the type of person that I would want to co-run my business. But there were two avenues. I could build a prototype myself or I could outsource it. And I was open to both. Sorry, when I say build it myself, like find a co-founder, rebuild it in-house. And through my journey, I actually ran into, coincidentally, at the grocery store, um, I ran into a friend of mine who I went to 
um, like kindergarten with. <laughs> um, and, and her name's Ruba. And her and her husband, who is actually now my co-founder, Hanny, um, uh, were technical. They were in that space. And I was like, oh my God, can I pick your brain? And they actually were not, like they did not get involved, heavily involved with Appate at that time. Yeah. I actually knew them for a really long time before uh, Hanny joined. And they, what they did is they actually put me in touch with the person who helped me build my prototype, right, yeah, which yeah. did the technical validation. And I actually asked that person if they wanted to be a co-founder with me in App 8. And they were, they're a great person. I don't know if you know Dinesh. He's really, really good at, at, at product and stuff. And uh, he actually openly said, uh, told me, uh, you know, that, that he loves building products so much and he sees the journey of App 8. Yeah. And that's, that's something that he wants to continue to work on on building products and that. And, it, you know, it's not managing teams and stuff is not something he yeah. really wanted, at least not for one company. And so, cause he manages lots of teams uh, sure, all sure. over. So he said, uh, so he said no. And then uh, I, w- I had like a list of people that I was talking to, uh, to be my technical co-founder and Hanny was actually consulting me on who I should choose. And then at one point he started seeing like the sparks flying on app eight. And this is kind of where secretly inside, I really wanted him to be the guy. And for him to be the guy, it meant that he would have to leave a really, uh, like a really tough, uh, high, you know, high position yeah. in a really well-established company, like take the similar risks to what I took when I left, you know, a high position in a, in a, in a well-established company to start it. But he, him and I saw eye to eye on the vision and we knew each other enough and we like both have a no assholes policy when we're looking for people where we really uh, blended and it took time to get there. It took time to really discover someone. So with every opportunity that I can to really to find people that, especially at the leadership level that you're going to bring in, I, as much as I can, I, I really make it a campaign. Right. I make it a campaign. I take... Uh, I take my time when I can, and I really try to discover people. And sometimes you have to do it on the quick. But you really, you really get to know people when you spend some time with them, and not just in a professional setting, but in a social setting as well. And I mean, working with someone right now who potentially might uh, might be uh, working with us uh, more long term. And you know, when, and he's even he brought he's the one who brought it up, and he said, you know what, let's go like do some social stuff every once in a while, and and just get to know each other. And uh, because at the end of the day, you spend probably more time with the people that you work with than with your, 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 you know, your, your family. family, your <laughs> husband, wife, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, kids, whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, but it, it's crazy because, uh, and we're running out of time here a little bit, but I do want to continue this because this is, this is, this is fascinating. I mean, you, you mentioned patience, um, but, and, and that story makes sense. But then I see the growth that you guys have had recently, you know, over the last couple of years, and we've only known each other for a couple of years. And I see your team grow pretty quick. Um, so, I mean, is there a process, uh, you know, on top of the patients that you're talking about, on top of getting to know, is, is there a process or is there is there qualities that you know will make a good employee? Because it seems like your team is operating really well together. And it wasn't too long ago that you weren't that big. Yeah. Right? Uh, th- th- there is a process, but there's also knowing what to look for. And there is... Um, there's different types of people that have different skill sets and you can uh, you can get so much by saying hey how well like it's different for different roles to be honest like some yeah. roles you need you absolutely need someone who can really be technical because there is a high 
there's a long learning curve to be technically competent to be able to achieve the goals that you want to achieve with that role. And there's other roles where that's not, a, uh, you know, that's not, you can learn and adapt as long as you, your, your mind is, is set right and you, you're open to learning and you're open to feedback and you know how to, uh, like some people call it the, the uh, actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get the name <laughs> of this role right, but it's basically, can I Google this and research and ask enough people enough questions to figure out the right way to approach a problem? And can I do this efficiently and over and over again that I can actually, it's like almost like a mini, a lot of mini CEOs that are out of their comfort zones that can actually figure shit out and get shit done. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's understanding which roles, uh, what you, who you need for which roles. But there's one commonality across all and it's culture and fit. And for us, we've actually as a team have gotten together and talked about our values, talked about, you know, what kind of a, a company we are. I mean, it started with just Hanny and I, and then, you know, we've exposed that to the team and we know what kind of company we are. We know what kind of people we want working with us. And we definitely get a sense of, you know, these are the right people we want working with us. Um, and this is the right fit that we want. This is the right culture we want to build. And it's really hard. And the bigger companies get, the more difficult that becomes. So, uh, I mean, it's only going to get more more challenging with time. But right now, you know, I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back for this too much because a team of, you know, seven plus a few uh, part time is uh, it's uh, it's it's a great sized team. The But from what I've heard and seen, the challenges really come when you grow f- further than that and you start having less direct control over the people that you are bringing on board. So it's very important. And I have that kept in mind because I've. You know, I've worked with other companies that have this issue. It's very important to be able to, as a leader, communicate uh, the values across uh, the other leaders in, in your organization and actually live by the culture that you want to instill in the company. Okay, we're over time, but I do want to ask you one last question then. So what, I mean, what is it that you guys value? What, what are your values and what is it that you're, I mean, I think it's one thing to say that you're looking for the culture fit. Uh, I mean, specifically for App 8, what is it that you guys value and what is it that you find uh, are in people that fit your culture? Yeah. I, I won't give you a value statement necessarily, yeah. like something that's official that you'll read. No, I don't read. like that. Yeah, like, but what like I'm gonna, from the heart. But, but honestly, like going back to, uh, going back to uh, some of the things I've already said and I may have already said it in this podcast, it's, it's knowing and underst- it's believing, first of all, it's believing in the vision of what we're doing and understanding that you're in it in the trenches with the people to your left and the people to your right and being able to actually communicate, have a common goal, see the common ground and work together as a team to achieve that common goal. Like that is ultimately the fit and the ability to listen, learn, communicate, give and receive feedback. I know that that might sound a little more textbooky than I wanted to, but that is really what we look for. That is part of our, our, our culture and and some of the values that we hold in our people. That's great. Elias, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, seriously, I was I was very excited to have you on the podcast because the more I've gotten to know you, you know, the more I respect about you and the more I respect about what you do. I love learning that it's not by accident. You know, it's it's always it's always amazing to find people who you consider successful, that you hold in high regard, that they're actually doing it intentionally. And, uh, you know, the last hour that we've been chatting, it's, it's, it's been a revelation how you approach what you do. It's been absolutely a pleasure. So thank you so much for, for speaking to me uh, today. 
Um, do you have anything to say before I do my grand outro? Oh God, no! You should tell me to stop talking when, you, when <laughs> soon, because uh, this is the first podcast to go officially over time, and that's how interested in the oh, not, not to knock my other guests. My other guests were amazing, but it's just you were you were just you're just killing it, as it were. So you're telling me that I talk too much? Okay, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. No, thanks, thanks for having me on, uh, Casey. It's always a pleasure, and it's a pleasure seeing you work and actually being in a, in the same working space as you and and and. Uh, actually you being a supporter of our of our company and what you're doing so thank you I can't say it enough guys out there listening App 8 is definitely something I support wholeheartedly it's just there's so many times when I'm like I wish App 8 was in this restaurant they are working hard to get in those other restaurants but definitely check out App 8 what's the easiest way download in the App Store or Google Play Download the App Store, Google Play you can Google App 8 I think we're at the top of the list now um, app8.com uh, sorry, .ca. I'm going to redo. Appay.ca. <laughs> Jeez, we're working on getting appay.com. Yeah. Don't tell uh, the... Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> APP number eight. APP number eight dot C-A. If you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or anything, or Ellie's or anything, just email me at my personal email address, casey.lee at gmail.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y dot L-I- C-A-S-E-Y dot L-I at gmail.com. You can also visit our official website at www.caseylee.com slash podcast. Casey Talks to People is currently hosted on Anchor FM and distributed to all your favorite platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and more. Any great podcast app that you want to plug? No, you got it. (laughs) All right. Don't forget to subscribe and leave reviews if you can. Apparently it helps. I don't know if it does or not, but all these other podcasts say it. And don't forget to check out Motorcycle Drive-By by by Third Eye Blind. That's a great track. All right, everybody. It's been an absolute pleasure, Elias. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That's it for now. We'll see you in the next one.